Celtic Nation is either unconcerned or they're in a state of complete panic. As it is confirmed, the unicorn has a bad hoof. We try to break it all down and separate fact from fiction as we look toward training camp and whether Porzingis will be able to start it on time. Meanwhile, over in Philly, it's much worse as the Sixers appear to have a real problem as James Harden gets nasty with the front office. Is another process on the way? These stories plus Lucky's List with the captain and Guillermo in Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge podcast, the official home of Celtic diehards and now apparently Guillermo wannabe podiatrists. I am Captain Ron Flanders. I am joined by my good friend and Celtic diehard enthusiast, Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo the unicorn has a bad hoof, and that's what we're going to start out talking about. Yes, we are all doctors now trying to diagnose our seven-footer and see how healthy or how unhealthy he may be right Quick now. Quick recap. The Celtics, as everybody knows, choked in the Eastern Conference Finals against a team we thought we were better than, and the Celtics decided to shake it up. They said, look, we tried two times with this group. It's not going to work. And so, unfortunately, that meant we had to deal Marcus Smart. Thank you, Clippers, for that. But everybody felt pretty good about our team because we have former All-Star Kristaps Porzingis coming off his best statistical season as a pro, plus the Jays, Jalen Brown extended, everything's going well. But there was a caveat to this, Guillermo, and that is if healthy. And that's not just Brogdon and, and Rob Williams but Porzingis, who has an injury history all his own. Yeah, health is always going to be the key factor on any team in any sport. Uh, so going into this, we knew he had that history. We were, ta- we were willing to take that gamble, uh, knowing he played 65 games last season and willing to roll the dice to change the chemistry of this team, which was definitely needed. As we talked about last week, a German basketball guy, I don't know if I can call him a reporter, with less than 2,000 followers on Twitter X, reported that Porzingis had been missing games for the Latvian national team because of an injury to his foot, and that the Celtics and the Latvian staff were evaluating whether or not he was going to be able to play in the FIBA World Cup. It has now been confirmed, both by the Celtics and the Latvian national team, and Porzingis himself, he's out, he will miss the tournament, and he's not, I'm not going to say he's a question mark for training camp, they think he will be available, but it has been confirmed, so everybody owes Rupert Fabig an apology, Guillermo. Yeah, I'm Glad we rolled with the story last week and talked about it and brought up the bubble wrapping of our seven-footer like we wanted anyway. Sit out the tournament, relax, get ready for the training camp, build that camaraderie with the Celtics, and let's get ready for the season. Now, I want to point out a little bit later on some of the hysteria that Celtic fans have been barfing out onto Twitter the last day or so. What the Celtics put out officially this morning at 927, this is the official report from Mark D'Amico, Boston Celtics forward center Kristaps Porzingis has been diagnosed 
with plantar fasciitis in his right foot. He will engage in a four to six week rehab program. Okay, this was put out today, four to six weeks, and is expected to be cleared for the start of training camp. Yeah, a little risky there with the time that he may have to miss, but I think he'll be back in time. And even if he has to miss the start of the season, some of training camp, as long as we get him healthy and ready to go at some point this season, even if he misses the first month, I'm okay with it as long as we get the ball rolling and he's healthy and ready to go at some point this season. I I would agree with you, right? The only thing that matters is the playoffs and whether or not the Celtics can have their best 10 or best 12 guys ready in April, May. And so October, November doesn't really matter. But let's, there had been speculation on the internet and certainly on this show about whether or not him sitting out was part of an agreement between Porzingis and the Celtics or the Latvia national team, Porzingis and the Celtics. But yesterday, Porzingis tweets out his statement on the matter. And this, to me, cleared a lot of things up. I want to get your reaction. This is Kristaps himself. It is difficult. I feel very responsible to myself and the supporters of the Latvian national team, but a decision has been made that I will not play in the World Cup. After several weeks of recovery and a repeat MRI examination, the plantar fasciitis of my foot still prevents me from being on the field in full readiness. This joint decision has been made by both the medical staff and coaching staff of the national team as well as the Celtics with the advice and opinion that it is now necessary to continue the recovery process. Such a decision is not easy to make, but I promise that I will be there and support the team as much as I can, support the Latvian team as much as I can. Our land, Latvia, he puts up the flag with the flexing bicep. Guillermo, it sounds like if it was up to Porzingis, he would play for Latvia, but there's just too much at stake for, for his health. Uh, so I don't think this was a wink, wink, I'm not playing. I think he's genuinely hurt, and and this hurts him, Guillermo. Yeah, I think it sucks on all fronts, right? Like, if we were able to play for the USA FIBA team, that's what we would want to do to represent our country like you do at, uh, for work. So we that's their Jordan, right? That's their best player that they were going to lean on going into this World Cup. So for him not to be able to be there to play for his country and show out and hopefully finish top three, top two, and maybe even win the World Cup, like that's very devastating to his country and to him. So it sucks for him. It sucks that he's injured, but we can't have another Gallinari situation. And he's not Gallinari. He's a bigger piece. He's making $33 million this year. He extended for another $60 million for the next two years. They had to come to this agreement. We need him to go through this season, and he's going to be a big piece hopefully to hang in another band. No, that's, you've made some excellent points there to start off with. He's not Gallinari. Although, as I said last week, I think if we have a healthy Gallo, we go to the finals and that would have saved us some of these insufferable heat bandwagon trash fans that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But 
Gallinari getting hurt was a painful reminder to the Celtics that, you know, injuries can kill you. And, you know, the Celtics probably didn't want him to play to begin with, but he wanted to play. Some of the videos that you see of him knocking down jump shots in an empty gym, it was pointed out to me by somebody on Twitter that if you look carefully at those videos, as he's coming down, he is favoring his left foot. So the most important thing is his health, and he's going to miss four to six weeks, and then he'll report to training camp. But you brought up something to me before the show, Guillermo, that I think is a very excellent point. The NBA's most valuable player from last season, Joel Embiid, opening night, Boston Garden, the Celtics throttle them, and Embiid has a horrible game. And there's a lot of talk about you know, Al Horford and the great job that he did on him. And, you know, the Celtics, they they often do, whether it was Aaron Baines or Horford or Grant Williams, all these guys doing a great job on Embiid. Embiid had a horrible game that night. And after the game, Doc Rivers said, yeah, Joel has been, he doesn't have his legs. He doesn't have conditioning because of the plantar fasciitis that he had over the summer. Yeah, and... Embiid isn't the only one to have dealt with this, right? Uh, Shy Gilgis, Alexanders have have dealt with it. Uh, Damian Lillard has dealt with it. We've seen players deal with plantar fasciitis and still be able to play. I think the biggest risk is not tearing the plantar fasciitis. So making sure that we manage him appropriately and Again, keep him as healthy as possible throughout the season. Remember, he did play 65 games last season. That was the most since his second year. So we're just hoping to about to have about the same experience at, when it comes to playing with the Celtics. And that's really all that matters, right, is the Celtics. But, you know, as you talked about, the patriotism of these players, Kristaps Porzingis could win an NBA championship and he would walk down the street and they would know who he was, you know, in Latvia. But he would he would not be a national hero like he would be if he won the FIBA World Cup for them. And so I think he has an understanding of this. And many of the players like Luka Doncic or Goran Dragic or some of these guys, they really do understand that. And, and most of them try to play, although, as we'll talk about later in the show, many... Porzingis isn't the only one dropping out of injury concerns. Uh, one of the things that Rupert Fabig, to add to his reporting, and now we are following him uh, at Lucky's Lounge Pod, we are following Rupert Fabig. He said that, I understand, he put this out just a few hours ago, that the Latvian Basketball Federation and the head coach were angry about Porzingis's shape to begin the Latvian training camp. So he was not in shape to compete for them. And he allegedly came in with what was called, quote, an inflamed foot, which does come close to a plantar fasciitis. So Porzingis has been trying to get ready to represent his country, but his conditioning is bad. And so maybe he wouldn't even be really ready to play for them anyway. Um, But this Rupert Fabig guy is is somebody we're going to follow going forward because apparently he's plugged in with the Latvian coaching staff and that might be something that we all should monitor going forward because 
maybe we can get some pearls, you know, of wisdom or, or little snippets on Kristaps. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all scared of seven-footers with foot problems, right? So whatever shape he's in, let's take it easy. Make sure we take our time with him, get him in game shape. I mean, he was on the Wizards who haven't made the playoffs, so I'm sure he had a long summer. But let's get in game shape. Again, take the time you need to be ready for this season. I mean, he played more games last season than both Jimmy Butler and Marcus Smart. So if he can get another 65-game season or even more, that would be great. But let's just take it one day at a time, how you always say to me. Yeah, one day at a time. And definitely don't play him against the Grizzlies because Marcus is going to lock him up. He'll be, he'll be playing, you know, his when he's playing the stretch five position or whatever, Marcus will, will probably make a point to guard him. And I would be worried about him getting hurt in that situation. And, and, you know, maybe some back to backs. We're going to, if we sign Blake Griffin, we'll probably have a a starting bigs by committee on some nights. Um, I wanted, you know, for those that listened to our show open and said, Oh, here we go. There's, there's cap again with some hyperbole. No, Celtics Nation is very concerned about this, but I want to kind of run the gamut, Guillermo, with some of the the follows that we have and just kind of some of these tweets were hilarious, but it also shows differing opinions on the the Porzingis thing and just the rampant speculation that occurs in 2023 on Twitter. Are you ready for some of these? Go ahead. All right. Brad Auerbach, blue check, and this is a guy that we follow at 7 Boston zero. He says Celtics told him to sit out the world cup before they signed the extension, in my opinion. And that is something that we, we sort of thought might've been a possibility. He then went, he also said, people really think the plantar fasciitis in quotes wasn't planned. So a lot of people think that this is fake, right? And one of the responses to him was from Dan Kelly, blue check at Dan Kelly. That's K-E-L-L-E-Y-6-6 says, it has plan right in the diagnosis. <laughs> Plant, plants are fasciitis. Maybe that they think that this is some sort of, you know, thing that they made up. But as I said, based on what we saw from the Celtics and from Porzingis, I think this is 100% legit. This is a real injury, but maybe it's not a cause for panic. How about Stuhl Greeny, Dan Greenberg at Stuhl Greeny. He says, I wouldn't say the Porzingis news suddenly has me nervous about his health because I was already nervous about it for every second that has gone by since June 22nd and will continue to be nervous about it until the summer of 2026, Guillermo. Man, I love all those guys and those tweets. I love what they tweet every day. But to think it's fake, I would love that it's fake. I would love to know that he is healthy and he's going to be ready to go. But I do think, like you just said, it's a real thing. He went with an inflamed foot. So we already got inside news that he already started off on the wrong foot. No pun intended. So we know that it's real. Let's not take it for granted. And let's just hope for the best and hope everything works out. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect Brad Auerbach a great deal, and he has a lot of great insights. 
Um, maybe wishful thinking on his part, though. I'm 100% with Stuhl Greeny because the first thought I had when, listen, it was okay if we were trading another injury-prone guy in Brogdon, who, by the way, we really need and is a great player. But once we traded Smart, who would play with, you know, shrapnel in his body, he would still play if it was a playoff game or even a regular season game against a team that he didn't like. Porzingis... As soon as I'm like, Porzingis? I mean, this guy is a is a definitely an injury-prone guy. So I, I, I agree with, with Stuhl Greeny. Like, I'm nervous right now, and I will be as long as he's wearing a Celtic uniform. But at the, simultaneously, I'm super excited about the firepower we now bring into games. But again, it's there's a big question mark with his health. Hey, listen, if Embiid was able to heal from it and win an MVP during last season, then I'm okay with him healing from this and hopefully hanging a banner for us this season. We've heard, you know, we we talked about Bill Walton. We talked about Yao Ming. We, you know, Embiid is another guy. Embiid, I think he missed like his first two seasons, didn't he? So there's a there's an example of a guy who was had the injury prone tag on him. And had plantar fasciitis, and maybe Porzingis hopefully has turned the corner. We absolutely need him. But if you were tuning in this week to hear that it was all a sham and, you know, he's going to be healthy for the training camp and all that, that, that is not the case. He may be 100% by training camp, but he is actually injured. He's going to need to get his conditioning. And so when he actually has his legs, we don't know. Well, when we come back, as bad as things are in the post for Boston, it's about to get much, much worse for our divisional rivals, the Philadelphia 76ers. What the hell is going on in Philly? We will break it all down for you next when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Stay right there. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Captain Ron Flanders here again with Guillermo Diaz and a couple of disclaimers to read before this second segment. The first one is keep spreading the word. Keep sharing this show with your Celtic fan friends and brethren. And if you're following us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a review, a five-star rating. You can email the show by sending a note to Lucky's Lounge Podcast at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at Lucky's Lounge Pod and continue to give us feedback, story ideas, questions, or or comments that we will read on the air. The second disclaimer I've got, Guillermo, is this next segment, we're going to be accused of rejoicing over another team's misfortunes. Um, I'm not really doing that. Okay, yes, I am. But we're also going to talk about something that, you know, I always focus on, which is the Atlantic division, the balance of power, and also as the Walt Kowalski in the room, the old guy, the state of today's NBA, because all of these things tie into the story of one James Harden and one Daryl Morey, Guillermo. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. uh, Big story breaking out with James Harden and Daryl Morey and even Joel Embiid. So break us down. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, we, we all saw this last week or earlier this week when James Harden went to China, as some of these superstar players do, to 
bend a knee to the authoritarian regime that make their products made by slave labor wow. and, uh, and continue to make um, millions and millions of dollars, which all these players do. In the case of James Harden, just as an aside, he was there at an event and there was an influencer there who wanted to prove to James Harden how big of an influencer he was. And so they basically had this wine product. James Harden, I guess, sells wine. He's got, I don't know if they call it, you know, the beard Chablis or, or what it is. But in 10 minutes, there were 10,000 bottles of wine that were snapped up by Chinese consumers when this influencer put it out. So James Harden is well known in China. He, he sells shoes there. He sells wine there. And uh, at this event, he basically came out and said in English to a Chinese audience, Daryl Morey, Philadelphia 76ers GM, former Celtics front office guy, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never play for another organization that has him in it again. I thought they were buddy-buddy from their days in Houston, Guillermo. Apparently, something is terribly wrong in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, there's definitely some backstory there that we're not getting the full story on that is definitely spicing things up. And I think a lot has to do with probably this past offseason where James Harden opted into his final year and hopes to be traded um, and hopefully get a bigger deal this next offseason and nothing really happening uh, after he opted in because he could have opted out and left for nothing. He could have, but how much money could he have earned, right? You had a lot of teams that were throwing money at their own young players. And so you saw a lot of players like LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards getting the rookie max extensions. You saw Jalen Brown getting a big deal. You saw uh, the big deal that the Rockets gave to Fred Van Bleet. But how much of a market was there for a 34-year-old player? I think Harden's 34. Obviously, still an all-star, led the league in assists last year, had a couple of big games against us in the playoffs, but he also, game six and game seven, he disappeared. How much money could he have got? Could he have expected as an unrestricted free agent? I think that's the big component, right? That's why he wanted to basically extend another year until free agency going into next year. And the Rockets reunion kind of broke down when Jalen Green kind of indicated that they didn't really need him on the team. And when they got our coach or former coach Udoka and him saying they didn't really also need him on the team as well. So I think that died down and he turned his sights to playing in LA with Leonard and George and hopefully ring chasing there and not being able to come to fruition with that. Now he's disgruntled and doesn't want anything to do with Daryl Morey or the 76ers. That is a great recap of what happened. And I think it's telling that a guy that coached him in Brooklyn, Ime Udoka, who was the defensive coordinator for Steve Nash or the defensive assistant, 
said, nah, we're good. And they went for a guy who will help their culture. Houston and Ime are trying to build a culture. James Harden is going to destroy your culture, or at least be a, a net negative or a net nothing. Whereas Van Vliet is a great example for your young players. So with the teams that had the big money, teams like Houston saying, no, that's a hard pass, because most of those teams, the Houstons and the Indianas of the world, James Harden doesn't put you near contention. He makes you relevant. He makes you a playoff team, but you're not going to win a championship with him. And he wants his final bag. He wants his last three to four year deal. James Harden had James Harden and his agent had to know that Guillermo that they weren't getting the bag from any of these teams, right? Yeah, definitely, and that's why I said he wanted to extend his free agency another year. And let's be honest, he wasn't going to go to Indiana because it's not sexy to be over there, and they don't have his favorite, you know, thing to do, which is go to strip clubs or drink milkshakes. So. He wasn't going to go to Indiana, and they have a solid point guard in Halliburton. So once the Rockets died down, I think he tried to maneuver to the Clippers, but the trade wasn't going to happen because the Sixers want to stay relevant and they want to still contend for another year, and they know they're not going to get anything back to remain in contention. So that's why that died down, and they're just trying to go with the flow and even Embiid has reportedly tried to get Harden to stay on the Sixers many times this summer, but Harden hasn't been interested in doing that. Well, Embiid knows that, you know, if the Clippers deal isn't going to happen, they're going to get 50 cents on the dollar or, you know, something much less in terms of raw basketball ability than what James Harden has. And so, of course, he's, and you know, 10.2 assists or whatever it was per game, the recipient of those passes was Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had his best season. He was an MVP on the receiving end of those beautiful James Harden pick-and-roll bounce passes. They're the best pick-and-roll duo in the league. Of course he wants to keep them. But you brought up the strip clubs, which leads us to our Tweet of the Week. Our Tweet of the Week is from NBA savant and if he isn't in the Hall of Fame, he should be writer Peter Vesey, who's at Peter Vesey one, who his tweet said, Harden claims he and Maury had a gentleman's club trade agreement. You notice, <laughs> see what I did? <laughs> gentleman's club was in parentheses, a gentleman's club trade agreement. Uh, hilarious, Guillermo, but um, there's another possibility. You brought up Harden being angry about this offseason and opting in and not getting traded, I want to float another possibility. Okay. Let's go back to last offseason, not this offseason, but last offseason hmm. when basically, you know, James Harden could have had more money than he got, right? The last contract he signed with Philadelphia, there was a lot of speculation Correct. that they wouldn't be able to keep James Harden, that Harden could get a bigger deal elsewhere. And a much ado was made about James Harden taking less than the max. Do you remember that? Yes, 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 yes. 
What was your reaction at the time when you heard that Harden had signed for a pretty decent amount less than what he could have probably got? What was your reaction at the time? My reaction was, okay, who are they going to use this other money on, right? And I don't remember them really signing anyone significant that supported their team in order to push them to the next level. Tucker was maybe the biggest piece that they added, so... They tampered and got Tucker, right? Or or was that... (laughs) Was that Miami tampering and getting Tucker? I, I don't remember. But James Harden, you know, it, this year is slated to make $35 million a year. And I think he probably could be making like 45 a year if he had signed for what he could. My reaction, Guillermo, was, first of all, hmm, what's going on here? Because this is James Harden. This is a guy who went to the NBA Finals very early in his career with the Oklahoma City Thunder and said, yeah, I'm not. He was the sixth man of the year. He went to the Finals. Probably wasn't going to. He wanted his own thing. He wanted his own franchise. He wanted the maximum amount of dollars that he could make. It wasn't about winning then for him. He wasn't going to win at first in Houston. He was playing with Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, you know, he ha- he was with a very good team that could have stayed in the West Finals, you know, every year, but he left to go get more money. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, I want to take one for the team. I was okay with him leaving OKC, right? Because he was the sixth man. And even though he was proven to be a starter, they still wanted him in that sixth man role. And we knew that he could be much more and he proved to be much more and being an MVP, you know? So I was okay with him moving on from that. You know, Frank Ramsey was the first sixth man in NBA history. Red Auerbach created that concept and Ramsey was one of the best players in the NBA. Kevin McHale was a sixth man, but he was always on the floor at the end of games. Just because he was, I mean, Tabo Cephalosha was the starting shooting guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder, right. a great defensive player or, or a plus defensive player for the Thunder. But listen, Harden was on the floor when it mattered. Look at Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon comes on the floor and just destroys bench defenders. I, I think it was, a, for Harden, it was about ego, it was about money, and, and maybe it was about the gold club or, or, you know, whatever strip clubs they've got in Houston. But it wasn't about looking out for the team. No, I agree. I agree. Early in his career, that's mainly, I think, what it was about. And I think now it's not really so much about money. I think it is about that next probably final contract that you discussed. But now I think it's about going after a banner and also being comfortable in your situation whether it be, you know, a great place to live like a California, Texas, a Florida type ordeal. Well, as a California native, let me just tell you, you know, it isn't as great of a place to live as it used to be. But if you're an NBA superstar, I suppose 
it's still pretty good because you can live behind the walls and all that. But let's let me let me flush this out a little. Let me tell you what I think happened because I agree a hundred percent with you that I don't think he cared about oh let's bring in another star so I can win. That's not James Harden. James Harden cares about James Harden, and that's about it. So I don't think it was about let me take take one for the team so we can bring in PJ Tucker or we can bring in you know whomever it is. I think he was trying to get that last bag. And, you know, at his age, and and maybe you can ask Siri or whoever uh, how old James Harden is, but then go back a year. So if he's 34 now, he was 33 last year, and he knew time was running out on getting that last bag. He's 33. He's 33. Pretty tough. The market wasn't there this year. So one, there's one school of thought that says, hey, Daryl, I'll opt into this year and you trade me to a team that I want to go and maybe I can negotiate an extension. Everybody thinks it's the Clippers. But what if the, the, the deal that he signed, what, what if it was a wink-wink deal? All right, I'll, come, I'll do this for this amount now, but when, this, when my player option comes up, you're going to take care of me. That's what I think it was. And that is why we're hearing that Daryl Morey is a liar because James Harden apparently, I think, pure speculation by Captain Ron, was led to believe by Daryl Morey that we're going we're gonna to max you out. You're going to get your deal at the end of next season. It didn't happen. And so he, he said, okay, trade me. That's what I think happened here. I... I wouldn't disagree with that notion. I, I'm just, the guy has been toxic now for a while. I mean, look what happened in Houston. Look what happened on the Nets. Like, he's just killing and burning the teams that he's going to and leaving them with the mess that they have to deal with. And it's not fair to the teams that are bringing, them in, bringing him in. So I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt on any of it. And I just think he's the one creating this problem himself. And I think the Sixers are in bigger trouble because now Joel Embiid has all of a sudden updated his Twitter hand, uh, his bio and removed Philadelphia from that being his location. And also the quote unquote processing. What? Um, yeah, so he might be available in the near future as well. Wow. Uh, trying to process this rapidly. The CPU is, is doing some things. You know what I think could ultimately happen here? If he goes on the market, Daryl Morey is in a really bad spot, and there's probably a for sale sign on his front yard right now that was placed by an angry Sixers fan last night. He should be very worried because if Embiid asks out, we're looking at the process two, which is going to be a much worse movie than the hangover three, Guillermo. Um, they're going to have to blow this thing up. And you're not going to trade, I don't think, Joel Embiid to a team in the East. You certainly don't want to trade him to a team in the Atlantic Division. But let's just roll with this here for a second. If the Celtics could get him, I think you could see Kristaps Porzingis or even Jalen Brown on their way out the door. 
but neither of those guys can be traded. So the Celtics are out. But you know the team that I think is going to have a great chance of getting him where we might see Joel Embiid end up and where I might see where you might see him demand to be traded to is Gotham City and the New York Knickerbockers. Boy oh boy. That is a really hot take that I hope never comes to fruition. I do not want to see him in orange and blue. I already hate him enough in red and blue, so that is something I don't see happening. Just because, like you said, I doubt that they'll keep him in the Eastern Conference. And same with Harden, right? They're not going to get enough. And maybe you could package Randall and a few people from the Knicks to make it be enough. But wow, that would be that'd be really big. Well, I'm with you, Garo. I hope it never happens as well. But I'd rather see him traded than remain with Philadelphia. Obviously not to the Knicks. In my hierarchy of hate, you know, it goes Lakers, Osama bin Laden, then 76ers, then, you know, Knicks, and then everybody else. I guess we can put the heat after the Knicks. But I I hate the Sixers more than I do the Knicks. Um, But Knicks fans would be insufferable if this happened. But the reality is, when you got players asking out, you got to take the best deal on the table. And so I think, you know, the Knicks have been stockpiling assets and they have the big contracts too that they could do it. I could see a RJ Barrett, Julius Randle package with a bunch of draft picks. But uh, let's just hope that he, he forces a trade and he ends up somewhere out west. Uh, and that would just make it more bloody and brutal out West with teams like Phoenix and Denver and the Lakers. And, you know, maybe Embiid gets traded to a team like Portland or something. And and you've got uh, a a real, you know, war on your hands. Uh, But what my theory, I think does hold water. And I think the NBA, Adam Silver, if you're listening, you need to investigate this because, you know, I remember when, Kevin Garnett was at the height of his powers in Minnesota, and they had a player by the name of Joe Smith, former number one draft pick out of one of my alma maters, University of Maryland. Not a star player. He was a good player, but he had a wink-wink deal with the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves to keep him in uniform so they could try to keep their team together. And when the NBA found out about this under-the-table wink-wink deal that they had, they, they find the owner, they find the team, and they, de- and they took away five first-round draft picks. Whoa. And so if Daryl Morey, the liar, lied, if the lie was, you're going to get this deal, and they find out that that was the case, and that enabled them to keep James Harden in uniform, we have an expression in the Navy, Guillermo, brace for heavy rolls. There's heavy seas ahead for Philly. You take away those draft picks and you lose Joel Embiid, that's like uh, getting the death penalty in college sports. Yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, who broke the process? I think the Celtics broke the process in this last postseason. And looking at the process itself, you know, they haven't really drafted well. You know, in 2013, they drafted Michael Carter-Williams, a dud. In 2014, they drafted Joel Embiid. He's been stellar. In MVP. 15, yeah. In 15, Jaleel Okafor. 
In Total six, bum. In 16, Ben Simmons. <laughs> in 17, Markel Fultz. In eight <laughs> in 18, Zaire Smith. And 19, Matisse Thibel. One for seven on top picks. Wow. That that is bad. That's that's clipper-esque. Um, well, well, we'll have to see what happens, Guillermo. This is a team, we talked about it last week, that we're going to see twice in the preseason. And their roster could look a whole lot different when we see them. You know, I mean, not just Harden. The question now is, does Harden report for camp? We know he's got the fat suit in his closet. We've seen that meme circulating around a lot lately. It's hilarious. But the thing is, he has to report because Daryl Morey could play hardball. If he misses 30 days by sitting out, there's a, there's a clause in the collective bargaining agreement and league rules that states that they can deny him the ability to leave Philadelphia in free agency next summer if he holds out for more than 30 days. So a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue. It does affect the Celtics because this is a team we play four times and Philadelphia is still one of the elite teams in the Eastern Conference right now. It, it's, it, it's hard to say that, and it's you know you can say it's not true, but they still got a lot of talent there in Philly, so we will have to monitor this. When we come back, Lucky's List, a lot of items on the list, including a new training camp invite for the Celtics and a look at this, what has trickled out so far on the Celtics schedule. We know it drops later on tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Stay tuned. Lucky's List is next on Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo, we're going into the Lucky's List. This one's a long one. There's going to be another history lesson or two in here. But let's get right to it. Last week, we talked about preseason. And we knew that we had a home-and-home home with Philadelphia, a game at Charlotte, and you speculated that we would be playing one of the New York teams. Yes, we've got a home-and-home home with the Knicks now. And so Lucky's Lounge will be giving out preseason tickets to one of our listeners. Stay tuned for that, but it'll either be the, the 76ers or the Knicks. So one of the two teams that Joel Embiid could be playing on uh, – in the preseason. I'm kidding, of course, but let's not forget my prediction as we move forward. Regular season schedule drops later on today, but for now, we already know we're playing Christmas Day in Los Angeles, a gift for basketball fans to be sure, and October 27th at home in Boston Garden against the Miami Heat. couple big games there, Guillermo. Yeah, what a Christmas gift that will be for both of us getting a Laker a Lakers loss and a Celtics victory. And what a way to open up the season at home and get ready to smack up the Miami Heat. Both games, uh, rival rivalry games to be sure. That Heat rivalry is getting bigger every season. The last three seasons uh, has gotten really white hot to use a, a Miami heat phrase. Uh, but you know, the Laker fans are saying that they're going to beat us on Christmas. So I guess that's why they play the games and, and we'll just see what happens. But if a Celtic win 
putting some coal in the Lakers fan stockings would probably be the gift of the year for Boston. Some other games on the schedule, the NBA did announce, and again, later on today, they'll announce the rest of it, but four games in November also slated, and this has to do with the NBA's mid-season tournament. So we've got three Friday games, Friday, November 10th on ESPN against Brooklyn, Friday, November 17th against the Raptors in Toronto, and another nationally televised game Friday, uh, November 24th on NBA TV at our daddy's, the Orlando Magic. And Tuesday, we're in the Garden hosting the Chicago Bulls. All four of those games, Guillermo, midseason tournament, uh, but those ones are also on the slate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going 4-0 and in, the, in your favorite end-season tournament and uh, making sure that we move on to the next round. Well, definitely want to move on to the next round, but only six of these are uh, seven games are going to be regular season games. The seventh game will not count in the standings. And so that's the game, as I said earlier, that I would like to see Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett, and uh, maybe Jay Scrub playing and, and just rest everybody else because it has no bearing on the playoffs. One other thing in the schedule that was being talked about was Wick Grusbeck says, hey, I'm fighting hard, and I think I'm going to get us the All-Star game back in Boston in 2026. What a treat that would be. Oh, that would so be amazing. I'm hoping Wick can pull it off. Uh, the Boston city needs that atmosphere, that energy. Uh, we haven't won a championship in a few years now, and we need that energy back in Boston. I think it would be a delight to have here. Well, and, you know, it, it only stands to reason because Boston was the host of the first NBA All-Star game, Guillermo, and we haven't had oh, wow. it here since, yeah, the first NBA All-Star game ever was at Boston Garden, and I don't think we've had it here for decades. When was the last time we had one here? Uh, from what I've heard, the last time we had one was 1964. Okay. You know, actually, wow, was that the last one? Well, I can, here's the time for a little, you know, captain's trip down memory lane for, for some history. Just going, that means, that means we've only had two NBA All-Star games in Boston. And we're one of the original franchises in the NBA over 75 years and only two All-Star games here. The first one in NBA history was played in 1951 in Boston Garden. There was a crowd of just over 10,000 fans, and the East won that game 111 to 94. Quite a bit different from the scoring into you know the last All-Star game where Tatum got the MVP. I think the score was like 180 to 175 or something. This one 111 to 94. Bob Cousy and Easy Ed McCauley started they were Celtics that started for the East, and McCauley was the MVP in the game, Guillermo. 20 points, and he held George Mikan of the Lakers, the West starting center, to just four baskets. So that was the first NBA All-Star game. Wow. If you can shut down George Mikan, that's great. So great job by Easy Ed. I love that nickname. Yeah, Easy Ed. And then in 1964, that game was the last time the All-Star game was played. 
Final score in that one, 111-107. to 107. Three Celtics were in that game. Bill Russell and Sam Jones were starters. Tommy Heinsohn came off the bench as a reserve. What's interesting about that game, Guillermo, the game was, and Red Auerbach coached the East, the game was almost not played because the NBA players threatened to go on strike, and the guy leading them was none other than Tommy Heinsohn. Back in 1964, of course, all the players were flying coach. Most of them had jobs in the offseason. Tommy Heinsohn said, hey, let's form a union. And the owners said, no, we won't allow it. So Tommy said, look, if you don't let us form a union, we're going on strike. And so all of the, the, the owners relented, capitulated, and the NBA All-Star game was played. What's interesting is that now the Celtics have – you know, Jalen Brown is a vice president of the Players Union. Former Celtic Grant Williams also had a role with the union. These guys are making, you know, 20, 30 million dollars a year. They may have none other than Tommy to thank for that. No, that's awesome. I didn't know all of that. And Tommy was such a huge figure to this state and this team. And that's awesome for what he contributed to the league, the the things he did on the court and off the court. That's awesome. Yeah, it really had a lot to do with the NBA actually getting players a quality of life and helping them uh, earn the wages that they earn. And you hear guys talk about labor and work and all this stuff, and it's like, dude, you're playing a game, a kid's game, and you're making $20 million a year. Back then, it, it was a lot more like a job, and uh, Tommy Heinsohn was like the Kurt Flood of the NBA. Other news in the league over the past week, we, we talked a lot about Paul Pierce and Dwayne Wade last week. That was in the run-up to an event that took place at the birthplace of the game, Springfield, Massachusetts. Hall of Fame induction. Dwayne Wade was one of the people that went in. Who else went in, and uh, what, what can you tell me about that ceremony? Yes, sir. So we had uh, Dirk Nowitzki joined uh, the Hall of Fame. We had Paul Gasol, we had Becky Hammond, we had Tony Parker, we had Spurs coach Greg Popovich, and as you mentioned, Dwayne Wade. And a funny uh, tidbit I saw, Jason Tatum was in attendance and one of the fans yelling out to him as he was entering the, the, the building said, Tatum, join the Heat. And he looked at him and said, nah, and he <laughs> kept on walking and smiled. <laughs> well, I don't know what else he could have said being there in Massachusetts, but that is funny to to clown that, that Heat fan who either flew up from Miami or, you know, Miami Heat does have a little bit more of a national following now, but uh, that is very interesting. Well, I have a couple of observations about this. First, Listen to the names of the players that went in, and this is 2023. Dwayne Wade, American. Then you got Nowitzki, German, Parker, French, and uh, who was the other player? Gasol uh, from Spain. Correct. So three of the four players were international. I mean, this is – AAU is killing our game. You look at the MVP winners every year. You know, you have Embiid from Cameroon, Jokic from – Serbia and Antetokounmpo from Greece. I mean, the game, the best players in the game now are international. 
And this year's Hall of Fame thing bore that out. Also, lots of connections to the Celtics here, Guillermo. Let's let's throw the coaches out, Hammond and Popovich. I mean, Hammond went in as a player. But you've got Dwayne Wade, one of our huge rivals from, you know, 2012, 2013, the, the cheap shot he had on Rajon Rondo in the playoffs so many years back. You had Pau Gasol, who really was the MVP of the 2000 NBA Finals, if you think about it. I mean, he without him, the Lakers do not win that. Kobe oh, had a horrible game. Yeah, he had a Kobe had a horrible game seven. He was like seven of twenty nine, but Gasol had nineteen rebounds in that game. And without Kendrick Perkins available for the Celtics, Gasol just imposed his will in those last two games. And he was the actual MVP, and he definitely deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And then Tony Parker, a guy who the Celtics could have and should have drafted in uh, two thousand one. Really. Yeah, the, the Celtics had three first-round picks that year, and they used them on Joe Johnson out of Arkansas. Good pick. They blew one on a guy out of a junior college from Florida named Kedrick Brown, who has a had a great body, was a physical specimen, just wasn't a very good basketball player. And then for the third pick, Red Auerbach made his last recommendation for a pick, and he, he wanted to go for a – guy from the D.C. area by the name of Joe Forte, who played at North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, that was a that was a bust. And Tony Parker was a guy that was on the board that a lot of people said the Celtics should take. And Dirk Nowitzki was a guy the Celtics were going to take. Rick Pitino and Chris Wallace were totally enamored with him. But there was one other team that knew about him, and it was Donnie Nelson and the Mavericks. So both Parker and Nowitzki could have been Celtics. We did get a nice consolation prize in Paul Pierce uh, in the Nowitzki draft. But this year's Hall of Fame just really had a lot of Celtics connections. Congratulations to all the players who went in. And, you know, you can see every time these players go in, Gasol, Wade, Parker, and Nowitzki, all NBA champions. And... Really, all team players and class acts. So we wish them uh, a lot, a lot of congratulations, and and hopefully we will see in the coming years Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown make their case. Because as far as I'm concerned, if they don't get it to the promised land, they don't deserve consideration. One step at a time, Cap. Just like you say, one step at a time. One step at a time, October 27th against Miami. Uh, let's get ready for that. Um, one other piece of news here. Well, we got a piece of news from the roster. The Celtics adding another player, and this one is on a training camp contract. Remember, the Celtics, as of last week, could add five more players to their training camp roster. They added one, and this is a guy that Jason Tatum might like because he went to Duke. Is that right? Right, we have a six-one point guard from Duke, like you said. Uh, he played in Canada last year uh, and played in the summer league for the 76ers, DJ Stewart. And uh, I saw some of his summer league highlights, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, he had a couple really good games in Vegas. And, you know, I, I didn't watch those games because I don't think, you know, they were against us. They were against other teams. But – I looked at his statistics and 
He averaged about 19 minutes a game for the Sixers. 16 points a game in 19 minutes. That's pretty good, even for Vegas. I also looked at his assist-to-turnover ratio, which for some players in Las Vegas, some of these novices, it's not assist-to-turnover ratio. It's turnover-to-assist ratio. I mean, J.D. Davison is a great example of that. But Stewart had an assist-to-turnover ratio of more than 3-1. to one. He averaged almost a point per minute. I'd say that's worth a flyer. My only concern is, Guillermo, we have two guys on two-way contracts already that are 6'3 or shorter, and we're adding another small point guard to our stable potentially as a two-way. So maybe not the balance that we would want to see with our two-way contracts, but but let's see what happens in training camp, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you want the best players possible. And if all three two-ways are taken up by guards, then so be it. You never know and as the season goes if, you know, Brad wants to move on and trade either Peyton Pritchard or Malcolm Brogdon, who's, you know, making $22 million this year and was almost traded and, maybe extend one of those and guarantee one of those guys. Yeah, anybody who's on a two-way can be converted, and anybody who's on a two-way can also be cut. So I I guess anything is in play. And these training camp invites, you know, if you get an honest look, I mean, it's up to you to sink or swim. And just because you have a two-way doesn't mean – it's sort of like the NFL, right? I mean – you go in there with a contract that's not exactly guaranteed and every position is open for competition and competition is what helps raise the bar. Next on Lucky's list is Team USA. They went to Spain. The competition got tougher, but Team USA did not falter, defeating Slovenia and Spain in their tune-ups for FIBA World Cup. Things looking pretty good right now for the red, white, and blue. Yeah, Anthony Edwards really showing out. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton playing well. Uh, I think the team is really gelling, and practices look really intense. And we know these are warm-up games, but it looks like they're playing pretty well together. Practices are intense because our guy Peyton Pritchard is is really trying to take it to Jalen Brunson. Uh, we're all very pout, proud of Peyton Pritchard, and, and hopefully uh, – you know, he continues to benefit from this experience. Remember, he could be activated if there's an injury or something and they need another point guard there. Elsewhere around the tournament, players dropping out left and right. Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks will no longer play for Greece. Jamal Murray of the world champion Denver Nuggets will no longer play for Canada. That could diminish Canada's chances of winning this tournament, Guillermo. I still think they're a strong favorite to win. Um, I think they'll compete against Team USA the best. They still have star quality players on that roster, and they're pretty deep still. So I don't think losing Jamal Murray really hurts or impacts them that much. Well, they still have Shy Gilgis-Alexander, which is at that position and arguably is a better player than Murray, but... It's all about depth. We'll see how Canada proceeds at this point. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Delano Banton will get called back. He he was on that roster before. 
and and we'll have to see. We obviously we know that O'Shea Brissett of the Celtics has already been dropped from that roster as he is trying to recover from injury himself. Team USA on its way to Dubai now for a couple more games before they head to the Philippines for the kickoff of the tournament. Final story of the show, and this is the final item on Lucky's list, NBA 2K ratings. Now, some of our list, most of our listeners know what we're talking about, but I realize just now that maybe there are people that don't know what we're talking about. The and the, the video game NBA 2K24 or whatever year we're on now, uh, most NBA fans play it. And uh, you're, I just got a note from our producer. You forgot Lucky's Hero. We'll go back to Lucky's Hero at the end of the show. But NBA 2K ratings. Um, you play 2K, Guillermo. Yes, sir. Yes, I do. I Almost. play it religiously. And I don't get hung up on this, but a lot of Celtic fans were up in arms over the new player ratings that were released this week. Why don't you give them to us? All right. So for Celtics players, we have Jason Tatum at 95 overall. Then That's we fair. Jalen Brown at 89. Okay. Porzingis. I have, I have no issue with that for Jalen. That's a good rating. Porzingis at 87. Time Lord at 83, Brogdon at 83, and then we got my my uncle Al Horford at 80, Derek White at 80. Whoa, whoa. Derek White at 80. Uh, seems low to me. Yeah, I think he should be about 84, 85. Um, then we have Banton and Hauser at 75. Cornette, 74, and Pritchard and Brissett at 73. Wow. Well, I, I think, you know, NBA players, they do take this very personally. And because they all play the game and they want to play the game as themselves. And, you know, they they I don't think Derek White cares very much. And I think Luke Cornette probably busts up laughing when he sees himself in the game. But some of these players are going to take it personally. And, of course, I'm talking about Jalen Brown, Peyton Pritchard, and, uh, you know, maybe who else would you say is, is going to be very angry about their rating? Maybe Brissett. Yeah, Brissett as well. So Pritchard, Brissett, and Brown, uh, you know, they're going to show out at the first opportunity. And as, as we know, these ratings can go up, they can go down, um, but – Hopefully for the Celtics, if they're going up, that means they're playing well and they're winning. What about some of the other players in the league? Uh, how do they stack up? All right, so top players for 2K24 is going to be Nikola Jokic at 98. Yeah, best player in the game. I, that, that would have been my guess as to who the best player would be. All right, now we have a group of 96s. It's going to be... Giannis, Embiid, Curry, Durant, and Whoa, your Durant, Durant at ninety six, and, and who else? And your boy LeBron James. <laughs> Durant and LeBron rated higher than Tatum. 
Yes, by uh, one uh, point. Uh, but think about it. The the creators probably gave him that one point because they have one rings and Tatum hasn't. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, I, you could say that, you know, Andre Iguodala has won rings. Is he a 96? I don't think he's in the league anymore, but. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kevon Looney's won rings. Is he a 96? No, he is not. Now, Draymond Green said this past week that the Warriors should retire Looney's number. I don't disagree with that assessment, but I, I do. mean, you do. Yes. Uh, that might be for another show, but I mean, it's like, hey, th- these guys won four championships. You know, we've got, look at our banners, you know, up, up in the rafters. There's a lot of players that, hey, this these guys won six championships or whatever they contributed. Looney was, Looney was important. But my point is, just because somebody wins a championship doesn't make them better. It's like saying, oh, yeah, John, you know, John Stockton wasn't as good as Gary Payton because Gary Payton won a ring. I mean, listen, at the end of, at the end of the day, Ronnie two K loves his boys. He's going (laughs) to give them a high rating and he doesn't want to upset KD or LeBron. Yeah, I, that's true. Listen, that's a great point. The marketing of it. If LeBron gets a low rating, he might not, he might not talk about two K anymore. There's dollar signs attached to those two ratings in particular. And those guys are big time divas and, you know, KD could get on his burner account and just totally, you know, besmirch the game. So good point there. Um, I'm not really too up in arms over the Celtics ratings. I think they're pretty fair. And regardless of what the ratings are, I'm going to win anyway when I play them. As we continue on the ratings, we have Doncic and Butler with Tatum at 95. Mm hmm. And then we have Leonard, Booker, and Lillard at 94. Yeah, those are all pretty accurate. I would say, you know, if Lillard finds his way to Miami like we all think he will, watch that rating go up because I think there's a Miami bias in this. But um, interesting to see. And uh, is the game already out or is that coming out like in another week or two? A few more weeks. Madden just dropped and then uh, a few more weeks, I believe, next month it'll drop out. All right. Well, I maybe I need to make my pre-order now, but uh, yes, sir. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. And, and Guillermo, you and I, perhaps one day we'll we'll play a game. Uh, I get to be the Celtics. I mean, that's just the rule. Um, but we'll see. We'll see uh, who wins in Lucky's Lounge. Lucky's Lounge has got to have their own like little gaming chairs and everything like that. That we, we got to fit the lounge with that. You can catch me on the sticks anytime, Cap. <laughs> All right. Hey, but one more item on Lucky's list. But before we do that, we would be remiss if we did not mention our Lucky's hero for this week. And Lucky's hero this week is a very good friend of mine. In fact, I'm not quite sure that he is even a Boston Celtic fan, which is usually a prerequisite for this. But Lucky's hero today is Lieutenant Commander Paul Newell, who is a U.S. Naval officer assigned to Expeditionary Strike Group 2 in Norfolk, Virginia. Now, Expeditionary Strike Groups, for those who do not know, are essentially the uh, the flotilla of ships that carries our U.S. Marines into combat. They're amphibious ships, and we happen to have one of those right now 
in the Persian Gulf, protecting 25% of the Earth's petroleum supply going in and out of the Straits of Hormuz because, if you're not tracking the news, Iran threatened to start taking down tankers again. So uh, USS Bataan is there, and Expeditionary Strike Group 2, where Commander Newell works, uh, oversees them and, and is responsible for, essentially, for their combat readiness. Uh, but about Paul Newell here, he's he's from Rochester, New York. I, I guess his favorite NBA team would be the Rochester Royals. Why is he Lucky's hero? Well, uh, he used to play basketball at a place called Pittsford Rec in Rochester, and actually this sailor used to play pickup with a guy by the name of Jojo White, and uh, he played two-on-two with some guys there. Uh, many years ago, Jojo was in his upper 40s, and they went undefeated. And I just think that for helping Jojo tack on a few more Ws, Commander Newell is Lucky's hero. And, and one other thing, he is retiring from the Navy in just a few months after more than 20 years of honorable service. So our hats off to you, Commander Newell. You are Lucky's hero for the week. Yes, thank you, Commander Newell. We really appreciate you and what you've done and and enjoy your retirement. You earned it. I'm not going to tell you, Guillermo, uh, he is from Rochester. I'm not going to tell you what his favorite baseball team is. I'll just say it's not the same one that, that you root for. Okay. Um, but he, but he is a great American. Final item for Lucky's list, and and I'm not even sure it's an item. But Guillermo, did Justin Champagny sign with the Heat? Uh, I know you had commented or texted me the other day about it, but I haven't seen anything about that. I'm just doing a little Google search right now, uh, mm. because this this would be. Yep, he is, he's with the Heat now. Uh, you know, this could be a problem. Could it? It, it, it could be. I mean, you, you looked at his summer league performance for the Celtics. It wasn't that good, right? I would like to remind everybody that Max Struess played summer league basketball for the Celtics before and was cut in favor of Javante Green. Max Struess went on to play for, I think, Chicago and then landed in Miami and was turned into about a $48 million player and was hitting six threes in NBA playoff games. So I hope that that Champigny is not another Max Struess and we don't end up seeing him in a couple years doing damage in the playoffs. I, I, I think I can say with a high degree of certainty that's not the case. But they've already used one of our former summer league guys as a reclamation project and turned him into a very valuable player now for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Do you think that the you know Miami Heat culture, which basically takes these undrafted guys and makes them into serviceable rotation players, do you think they can do something with Champagny? So Struz had to go, I believe, to OKC first and then... They grabbed him from there. Okay. And, and then from what I'm reading, it looks like Champagne signed an Exhibit 10 deal with the Heat. So it's kind of the same type of deal that DJ Stewart got. So he hasn't been given anything yet. He hasn't earned anything yet. 
Um, but I don't see him really doing anything because he really didn't do anything for the Celtics. But who knows if they, hey, if they can coach him up better than the Celtics did and make him something, then kudos to them and kudos to Champagne. But at the end of the day, I'm not really scared of him. No, nor am I. I just thought it was interesting that right after we dumped him, the Heat picked him up, and it, it made me think about Max Struess. But, but yeah, and maybe they have a thing for twins too, right? I mean, because they, they've got uh, Martin when Martin has a, also has a twin brother in the league, just like Champigny, which I think gives you a little bit of an advantage if in the playoffs, if one guy's in the playoffs and the other guy isn't, and, you know, they have – one guy gets hurt, the, the twin brother can just come in and you won't even know that that happened. <laughs> they used to say that about the Morris twins too, but I don't think the NBA would allow that. They don't have to know, but you can't have, you know, different tattoos or anything like that. But uh, th- these are not the, uh, the Van Arsdales or, I mean, these aren't super talented players. Um, but we wish Justin Champagny the best. He, he was a he was a hard worker for us, and I and I've got nothing against him. Had he gone to the Lakers, though, he'd be dead to us. Agreed. Final thoughts for the show, Guillermo. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening, keep listening and supporting us. It's only going to get better as the season starts. We're right around the corner of getting the ball tipped off and. The show going on and the show is going to increase to two episodes a week and who knows, maybe three episodes a week if Cap's wife allows him to. So (laughs) we'll see how things go and we're excited to bring you even better content and uh, continue to get you guys involved with uh, guests and more commentary that you guys suggest for us. The captain's wife, also known as the Admiral. But, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, we're definitely going to – I think in the in the short term, we're going to start having guests on the show. We're going to start uh, picking up our our frequency of broadcasts when, when we start going into the season where you will see Guillermo and I in the garden. And, uh, and I think some of our guests are going to be some of your favorite Celtic fans from the garden and, and also some of your favorite Celtic fans on Twitter. Well, that's all we have for this week. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. On behalf of Guillermo Diaz, I am Captain Ron Flanders, and we will see you next week in the lounge, Lucky's Lounge. Have a great week, everybody.